jewishaudio on chabad.org. We all know as Jewish people that we have a responsibility to serve our Creator every single day. It is expected upon us to perform the mitzvahs to the best capacity, to study Torah every day, but sometimes we feel like it's difficult. This enormous responsibility to serve Hashem sometimes seems to be a burden and maybe contradictory to our desire to survive life struggles on a daily basis. Sometimes it seems hard. How am I supposed to perform all these mitzvahs and study Torah while I'm trying to make a living, take care of myself, take care of my loved ones? It's too much, it's too difficult. This week I want to share with you a very powerful message. And that is a reminder that not only is Torah a mitzvah not a burden, but when you perform mitzvahs and study Torah and live a life serving Hashem, that becomes the ultimate source of blessing which sustains you and provides you and takes care of all your needs. In this week's Torah portion, we learn about the commandment to build a mishkan, the tabernacle. The Jewish people were told how to build a home for God down here in this world. And at the time, the Jewish people were also instructed that during their 40 years in the desert, they need to transport this tabernacle with them wherever they go. And the way it worked was that each particular set of individuals had different responsibilities to carry different parts of the tabernacle. The Levites were given the honor to transport the Holy Ark, the holiest object in the entire tabernacle. And the way they would transport that Ark was by carrying it on their shoulders. This Holy Ark, which contained the tablets that were given from God and High, the holiest object in Jewish history, was carried and transported by this group of Levites. Now the Talmud asks a very simple question. Were you to wonder, how did the Levites manage to carry the heavy ark? After all, the ark weighed over a ton. It wasn't a light piece of plastic. This was an incredibly heavy box made out of wood and gold with tremendous weight. Some commentaries add up at least a ton of weight. How was it possible? that the Levites managed to carry the heavy ark. And the Talmud answers such a profound response, and the Talmud says, Ha'aron Nisa es Nisav. They did not carry the ark. The ark carried them. My friends, there's a very powerful message here. The Torah is telling us that if you ask yourself, is it too much to bear? How can I maintain a lifestyle that's permeated and infused with the light of Torah and mitzvahs every day of my life? Life can get difficult. Can I really carry this with me every day? Comes the Torah and tells us, don't worry, it is not you who is carrying the Torah and mitzvahs. The Torah and mitzvahs are actually carrying you. When you commit yourself to have a home and a life built upon the foundation of Torah and mitzvahs, not only will it not be a burden, but this will lift you up and carry you through the challenges, through the struggles, and through the joys of life. And for this, my friends, I want to share with you a story. Have I not heard this story firsthand from the person who interviewed the individual himself? I would not have believed this story. But this story was told by a Jew whose name is Label. Label is not actually his real name because he asked to remain private and there's not one his name shared. But we're going to call him Label for the sake of the story. Label shared this story with a well-known writer, and storyteller in the land of Israel known as Menachem Zigelbaim. Menachem Zigelbaim shared with me this story that he heard directly from the individual who had happened to himself by the name of Label. Open up your hearts, my friends, for this incredible story. Label suffered tremendously during the Holocaust years. In fact, when the war was over, 
He was 14 years old. He lost his family. He lost his parents. He lost everybody. And after the war, he was alone, wandering through the countrysides of Germany, trying to find a life for himself. His dream was to make it to the land of Israel. Ultimately, finally, in 1946, through tremendous effort, he managed to make it on a boat, arriving in the Holy Land of Israel. When he arrived in Israel, unfortunately, it still did not deal with all his problems. He was alone. He had some distant relatives and people he knew, but they were all so overwhelmed themselves, trying to transition to rebuild their world post the tragedies of the Holocaust. Time went on as he's wandering around, trying to find a place to live, trying to find some food to eat. In the year 1952, he found himself settling in the Chabad Yeshiva called Torah's Emes in Jerusalem. He's 22 years old, and he tried to immerse himself in the study of Torah to find some comfort to his broken soul. During that time, as he was settling in and developing close relationships with the rabbis and the teachers in that institution, a few people came over to him and tried to suggest to him different ideas of individuals who he can marry. People try to make him a match so he can hopefully build a Jewish family and create a new bright future after all the darkness and suffering that he experienced. It was during that time when he started getting worried. His concerns were that he has no money, he has no livelihood, he owns nothing. Here he is studying Torah all day, which is so wonderful, which is so important, which is a wonderful gift for him. But at the same time, what's going to be with his livelihood? What's going to be with his home? What's going to be with his future? And he was very concerned and worried about this pressing matter. So he decided to write a letter to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And sure enough, he wrote a letter to the Rebbe, and in that letter he poured out his heart, he shared the story of his past, how he lost everything, he lost his family, he struggled so much, and now he has immersed himself in the world of Torah, he is rebuilding his soul, he's reconnecting himself with the one above, but he has a pressing concern about the future, how will he manage financially? How will he survive? And therefore, he was asking the Rebbe, if it's okay, if he leaves yeshiva, he leaves the study of Torah, he diminishes somewhat his commitment to the performance of mitzvot, and he goes to find some work as a laborer so he can have some money to survive when he builds his family. Sure enough, a few weeks later, the letter response letter arrives from the Rebbe in 770. And in that letter, the Rebbe says, you should continue learning with tremendous dedication. And now that you may be concerned what will be about the future, what will be about your home, what will be about your livelihood, I want you to know that if you commit yourself to serve Hashem and do the right thing by immersing yourself at this stage in your life, at this pivotal time in the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvot, God will take care of all your needs when the time comes for you to build your home. Because ultimately, Torah and mitzvot is the source of blessing. And at this point in your life, this is the right thing for you to do. When he received that letter, it hit him very deeply that the Rebbe's message is very powerful. Don't think it's a contradiction. You could continue to immerse yourself in the world of Torah and mitzvahs and everything will be taken care of because that ultimately will carry you and will be the source of your blessings. So sure enough, he continued learning. He took his mind away from any of his financial and materialistic concerns and immersed himself in spiritual growth and Torah study. Finally, in the year 1953, he met a wonderful Jewish woman who he was introduced to, and he got engaged with the blessing of the Rebbe and the blessing of his teachers. And at that time, 
He remembered the letter the Rebbe sent him a year prior when the Rebbe said to him, don't worry when the time comes, all your needs will be fulfilled. And even though he had no resources, no money, no funds, he was confident in this promise and this blessing from the Rebbe that if he does the right thing, he will be taken care of. A few weeks go by, the time of the wedding is getting closer. He still has no money for anything. When one of those summer days in the summer of 1953, he's sitting studying Torah, when suddenly one of his friends walks into the study hall and says, here, you got a telegram. He was surprised. No one knows me in this world. Who's sending me a telegram? He reads it and he sees the following line. I am Abraham, your father's brother. I very much would like to meet you tomorrow, three o'clock in the hotel on Nachmani Street in Tel Aviv. At that point, memories started coming back to him. He remembered how as a young child, his father told him that he has a brother whose name is Avraham, who lives in Argentina. They had no connection. The families were very distant from each other. But when he got that telegram, he suddenly remembered. And he wondered, how could it be that he's in Israel now? How did he find me? He had no answers to these questions. But sure enough, he knew that if his father's brother wants to meet him, he definitely wants to connect with the very few family members he still has alive. The next morning, he woke up early, he prayed, and quickly, he went on the bus to Tel Aviv. When he arrived, he looked up and down the streets until he found Nachmani Street and ultimately found that hotel with a big sign outside that said Nachmani Hotel. He came inside and he's trying to see how will he recognize his uncle. As he's looking around the lobby, suddenly he feels an arm, a hand on his shoulder. He turns around and there is standing an older gentleman who says, are you Label? He said, yes, it's me. They sit down on the couch and Label tells him the story, the story of his life the story of the destruction of everything that was near and dear to him. His uncle listened, listened closely with tears in his eyes. And then his uncle began to tell him a little memories about his father and about their childhood. As the sun was setting and it became evening time, Label thanked his uncle so much for taking the time to meet him and they bid farewell. As Label was leaving, the uncle stuffed into Label's hand an envelope and said, this is for you. And with that, Label left. He was rushing to get back to the yeshiva, and on the way, he didn't pay much attention to the envelope. But when he got back to Jerusalem and he went to his room, he decided to check that envelope, and he opens it up, and inside he sees 10 crisp $50 bills. His mouth dropped, his eyes opened wide. It's very hard to appreciate what that amount of money means, specifically in 1943. That would be equivalent to $40,000, $50,000 today. An incredible amount of money. He was so emotional, he didn't know what to do with himself. Label described, he walked back and forth in his room overwhelmed. What? I could understand if my uncle wants to give me some money, but this much money? That night he couldn't sleep. He couldn't believe that he had so much money to take care of all his needs. And then it hit him. This was the promise the rabbi gave me. Everything will be okay. Not only do I have enough money for the wedding, but I have enough money to take care of us for a while afterwards as well. Sure enough, he decided the first thing he has to do the next morning is go back to Tel Aviv so he can properly thank his uncle for this incredible gift that he gave him. The next morning he gets up, he prays, he goes on the bus, he comes to Tel Aviv, he knew his way, he finds the hotel, and sure enough, he goes inside and he asks the person at the counter, can I please speak to Mr. So-and-so? And they look at their lodge ledger and they say, there is no one by this name staying in this hotel. He says, what do you mean? I was just here yesterday meeting my uncle, a visitor from Argentina. So the gentleman behind the counter looks at him and says, Sir, we haven't had anybody from Argentina visit this hotel in the past three months. 
At this time, Label got confused. He says, what do you mean? I was here, look, I was sitting on that couch. I recognize these curtains, I was here. The man felt really bad for him and said, I'm really sorry, are you sure this was it? But I'm, I, I, we don't have anybody by this name. We don't have anybody from Argentina who recently came. Are you sure you must have made a mistake? I was so confused, so lost, but what can I do? They, they were unable to explain to me who this individual was and how come he's not in their records. I went home very disappointed thinking to myself, how could it be that I couldn't find my uncle to thank him appropriately? I didn't even have his phone number. I have no idea how to find him. But then I got so caught up with wedding preparations, it kind of left my mind and life moved on. The story went on, thank God we got married, we had a beautiful family and children who today, my children have Chabad houses around the world. And ultimately, 15 years later, in 1968, I got a telephone from a hotel in Jerusalem, and the person calling introduced himself as Uncle Abraham from Argentina. As soon as he began to speak, I recognized the voice, and he said to me, I came to visit Israel on a visit, and I would like to meet with you. Of course, I agreed. I was very anxious to speak to him about the mysterious disappearance that happened 15 years prior. Sure enough, three days later, I showed up at the hotel, and there is my Uncle Avraham. He looked much older. His beard was much whiter. We were so happy to see each other. We spoke, we connected, we shared family memories. And after a while of speaking, it was suddenly quiet. And I took that opportunity to turn to him. And I said, I just wanna thank you so much for that unbelievable gift you gave me before my wedding. But tell me, which hotel did you stay at? I came the next day to speak, to thank you so much for that unbelievable generosity. And I couldn't find you. As I said those words, my uncle Avram looked at me with a very surprised look on his face, like he has no idea what I'm talking about. So I repeated myself and I said, the next day I came to thank you for that unbelievable gift. I schlepped from Jerusalem all the way to Tel Aviv. But when I came to Hotel Nachmani to thank you, I couldn't find you in that hotel. And the person behind the counter, the receptionist told me, no one with your name has been there, and no one from Argentina has been there for three months. Tell me, where were you? At that moment, my uncle, looked at me with surprise and said, Label, I was not in Israel at that time. I was never in Tel Aviv. In fact, this current visit to Israel is the very first time in my life that I have come to the Holy Land. This is the story, Label concluded.